to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast again today. It is Worship Wednesday, and I'm doing this uh, podcast episode up from Columbus, Ohio, where tonight I'll be at World Harvest Church, and then tomorrow in the morning, Valor Christian College for the chapel at 10 a.m., which, by the way, is going to be on Facebook Live. And so I want you guys to join me 10 a.m. Thursday morning if you're listening to this on the week that this podcast came out. If not, disregard all that previous information. And uh, I made it in today, Florida, all the way to Columbus, Ohio, and uh, got here quickly. Now I'm in the hotel with my awesome cousin, Preston. He's in the back. Shout hi. <laughs> and uh, I'm very excited today. Got something great for you. But before we jump into that, let me quickly say, if you've not gotten a chance yet to go download the app Mixler, M-I-X-L-R, do that today. Get Mixler, search for my account, Ted Shuttlesworth, and join me there. Because on March the 11th, that's a Monday coming up, to, what is that, two Mondays from now, our podcast is going to be a live podcast and I'm going to be taking questions, doing Q&A style, and uh, I'm going to be doing it with you having the ability to comment live during the podcast through the Mixler app. And uh, so all you got to do, Google Play Store, Apple App Store, download the Mixler app, M-I-X-L-R, search my name, Ted Shuttlesworth, no spaces, one word, and then uh, join my channel there. And then right when I broadcast, you'll have the ability to tune in. And uh, I love this app too. It's cool because um, a lot of people listen to the podcast when they're doing other things. So if you're working or if you're, you know, walking, running, working out, doing laundry, whatever it is you're doing, you can actually close the app down or close your phone down completely and the audio will keep on going, which is really cool. So um, it'll be a great opportunity for us to interact and stuff like that, as well as if you're doing other things while we're doing it live, you don't have to keep your phone open like you do for Facebook Live. So it's really awesome. Uh, So go grab that March the 11th at 7 p.m. at night. Monday, March the 11th, 7 p.m. at night, we're doing our very first live podcast episode, and you do not want to miss out on that. I'm going to be doing some live giveaways as well on that podcast, so you're going to want to be there for it. It's going to be awesome, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's jump in today. Um, I want to deal with, as you saw in the title, three simple ways to build unity in your teams. As we're dealing with Worship Wednesday, once again, I want to talk about this. Three simple ways to build unity among your teams. If you've never heard me speak on unity before, I actually did an entire uh, chapter about it in my latest book, Unhang Your Harp, talking about the power of praise. And one of the things that I discussed was how strong unity is and what it can do for you in the supernatural realm, that the devil always tries and works to bring division because he knows division brings destruction. Uh, But unity always brings strength, according to the scripture. And uh, you know what's interesting about that is it's not just um, as far as it's not just in like followers of God or, you know, Christians, whether you're looking at Old or New Testament, 
Because as I pointed out in that chapter, if you go to Genesis 11, the Bible says there were pagans who came from the east um, and they began to build the Tower of Babel. And they said, we're going to build a tower into the heavens. Uh, as we got into there, it's not actually building a tower into heaven itself, but a tower dedicated to the heavens. And uh, it was the worship of the stars and the sky, astrology, all of that. And it was a, a wicked form of worship that God looked down from heaven and said, uh, I'm not going to have it. But he said, they're so unified in their vision. They're so unified in what they're doing, even with their speech. They're of one mind, one heart, one speech. If I don't go down there and confuse their tongue, if I don't go down there and confuse their purpose and their plans, listen to what God said, they will accomplish whatever they set their mind to do. So understand that God knew that these people who were not followers of him, but pagans would have the ability to do the impossible and to do whatever they set their minds to do simply because they were operating in unity. That should show you what kind of power unity carries and why the devil works so hard to destroy it um, in our churches, among our teams, our families. The devil wants to bring divisions so that we'll be destroyed. But obviously today, as we're dealing with Worship Wednesday, I want to talk specifically about the teams that you have at church that you're volunteering with, the singers, the band, the sound teams, the lighting teams, tech teams, volunteers, ushers, whatever that we are doing to give our time to the kingdom. There needs to be supernatural unity among those teams. And so today I want to give you three things from the scripture, by the way. And you know, this is awesome. I was talking to my cousin about this. Um, I've really discovered nine things um, in the book of Acts that caused the church to grow at an expedited rate. I mean, like if you read the book of Acts, you can see it, it like blew up in, even in a time when it was persecuted that they were trying to sweep it under the rug and there was heavy duty persecution into the first and second, third centuries, killing people, throwing them to lions, all kinds of stuff. But the church continued to grow. And at an expedited rate, like I said, by thousands and thousands and thousands. So I found nine things in the book of Acts that caused that to happen. But today, I'm only going to take three of those to deal with how to bring unity among your teams. And so if you have your Bible, I want you to look with me at Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to read towards the end of the chapter here, um, starting with verse 42. And listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. So there's three verses right there, but I want to deal with three elements from those three verses that will bring supernatural unity to your team's as well. So go back to that. Obviously, I'm not going to deal with the first one of the nine, which is they de devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, because obviously you're all from the same church. So obviously, anybody that's in a volunteer position um, should be receiving teaching that your pastor uh, is giving every Sunday, Wednesday, however often you have services. They're not like on the volunteer teams and rejecting the pastor's teaching, hopefully. Um, and so that's kind of a given that you're united in doctrine and what you believe. Usually most churches um, are united in that 
aspect. So I'm not going to deal with that today, but go on further to the second thing here. Um, not just the apostles teaching, but this is the first one we're going to deal with today. Number one, and they continued to be devoted to the, to fellowship and the breaking of bread. So fellowship and breaking of bread right there. I want you to see that one of the most important things that there is to continue on in unity is community. You've got to develop a culture of community uh, within your teams. You know, it can't just be about doing the work all the time. You know, it's very easy to get jaded. It's very easy to come in and just, um, it, it almost feels very impersonal if all you're ever doing is meeting up to do a worship practice. You know, you come in, you do your worship practice, you go home. You come in, you do the service, you go home. And there's not really a way to develop deeper relationships with the people with whom you're doing your your ministry together um, without fellowship and without, uh, and here they give a specific example of how to fellowship, the breaking of bread or eating together. And if you study Middle Eastern culture, you know, all the way back to, um, you know, Ab- the time of Abraham, you'll know that that was a sign that, you know, that they were going to, uh, in one sense, come into relationship with you uh, is that they were willing to eat with you and prepare a meal for you. And it it actually was very, it was saying something when somebody would eat with you or bring you into their house to have a meal with you. That was a, that was a statement. You know, they were saying something by doing that. Um, you think, for example, when Abraham was met by God and the two angels, um, and he didn't know who they were. They were just looked like three men standing beside the road. But then he recognized that there was a supernatural aspect to them. So what did he do? He immediately said, stop here for a while. Let me wash your feet. Come into my house and let me prepare food for you. Let me prepare something for you to eat. Let's eat together. The reason that that was so important is because even back then, it was a sign of relationship. You didn't just eat with everybody. You ate with people that you had covenant with or people that you were in relationship with. You want to know what's so crazy? You go into the New Testament and the Bible says that um, different apostles, for example, the apostle Paul, Peter, others, they would give instruction to the believers that if you came into contact with people that were bringing division into the church, he said, and, and they would teach this, that's something that we don't put up with. You warn them once, warn them twice. Paul wrote this to Titus, by the way, if you read the book of Titus, he said, warn them once, warn them twice, but after the second warning, the third time, have nothing more to do with those people. Separate yourself from them and separate them from the body. You know, it's, it's also instructed to us. Uh, that in the last days there would be people who have a form of godliness, but they would deny the power of God. It goes on to say, from those kinds of people, turn away or or reject them. Don't have fellowship with them. Um, you know, there's another another place where Paul is teaching, and he's telling the believers when you find people that are doing certain things, he said, don't even eat with these people. You see that? Don't even eat with these people. So you can see. Clearly throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New, that fellowship was fellowshipping with someone or e- even eating with someone, it's a sign that you have relationship with them, that you're building community with them. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting to me. I mean, like even some of the most important points 
that uh, Jesus had teaching his disciples lessons were times when he was eating with them, sitting to eat with them. You think of the Last Supper. You think of the time where he was already raised from the dead and he was eating with them. You think of the times that uh, he was being anointed for his burial and uh, the, the perfume was broken and his body was being anointed by the woman with the costly perfume. And he's teaching these things all while they're fellowshipping. And so fellowship is a massive part of building unity with your teams. You can't just come in and do the work. You've got to spend time together, hanging out, fellowshipping, getting to know one another, loving one another. You know, it's very important. I remember we used to take times, you know, where we wouldn't even do, we'd have days set aside um, in our teams where, you know, we're not practicing today. Today, we're just going to get some food. Today, we're just going to spend time one with another. We're going to just go out. Maybe the band would go out or the singers would go out or we'd go out together. And what are we doing? We're developing a camaraderie. We're developing a community um, within our group that we can even see because what ends up happening is the more unified you become, that it's not just your minds that are unified, your spirits come together. And your spirits have unity one with another. And when you fellowship and you become friends and you begin to uh, get closer, love one another, it's hard for there to be a rift between people who love one another uh, so thoroughly. I mean, it's very interesting. Um, (laughs) If you read through 1 Corinthians 13 about the things Paul taught regarding love, when you have the love of God working in your life, you know, one of the biggest things Paul taught that still rings in my mind after having read it so many times is love does not demand its own way. Love does not demand its own way. It's not selfish. Love doesn't demand its own way. So when you begin to walk in love by fellowship with your teams, then you start to see a selflessness a humility, a meekness that begins to grow among your team. And then you don't have, you know, people that are at odds, people that are fighting, bickering, complaining, moaning, everybody trying to get the same solo, everybody trying, you know, it becomes uh, targeted because you have community, because you're building fellowship and building that community. You start to see a unity like you've never seen. And I'm telling you, there is power when meekness comes in, when humility comes in. And here's what the Bible tells us. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So if that's the case, that's found in the book of Proverbs, by the way. If that's the case, then you know if pride goes before destruction, then that means that if pride will destroy you or cause you to be destroyed, humility will cause you to flourish or to grow because the opposite has to be true. If pride brings destruction, humility brings growth or it causes you to flourish. And so that's what, that's why it's so powerful to get, to get that camaraderie, to get that love, that fellowship among your teams is because when humility comes in, the Bible says in Matthew chapter five and verse five, blessed are they, or excuse me, blessed are the meek, Blessed are the meek. That word meek also means humble. Blessed are the meek. For for why? They shall inherit the earth. They shall inherit the earth. So meekness is the prerequisite for inheritance. If you're going to inherit what God has for you as a believer, it takes meekness to inherit those things. 
Pride strips you of what God wants for you. Humility allows you to take delivery of those promises. So when you take the time out to actually sit down with your teams, to get to know them, to love them, you know, what's one of the things I was, um, and this wasn't even from a Christian publication, but I was reading something that was more um, along the lines of leadership, even in the in the realm of business leadership. Um, it's a principle that many, many people employ that are leaders. And I thought, man, that's that's really a, a great concept. And the concept is this. And if you're taking notes, you need to write this down for sure and remember it for the rest of your life. Seek first to understand and then to be understood. Seek first to understand and then to be understood. You know, we go around in our communications with our teams and stuff, and we want everybody to just sit and listen. And you need to understand what I'm saying to you. And and the, the thing is this, what ends up happening many times is that when people are trying to deal with issues that have arisen is that they're not even dealing with them properly because when they're trying to deal with them, they don't even understand what's going on. So the key being seek first to understand. It's not until you can fully understand what's happening or, or fully diagnose a situation that you can fully deal with it properly. You have to understand it first before you can deal with it properly. That's why if you've ever heard me teach even on prayer, you know, I don't believe in <laughs> unspoken prayer requests because how can I pray properly for an unspoken prayer request? I don't even know what I'm praying for. What if it's that you were embarrassed to tell uh, the prayer request of, of how or where you needed to be healed in your body? And then I take off praying on, you know, financial increase. Oh, God, give them, that's not what you need. You need healing in your body, but I don't know how to pray because I don't fully understand what you need. And so the key is seek first to be understood or excuse me, seek first to understand and then to be understood. So when you're dealing with people, you might have bad days. I mean, think about this. You might, I've, I've dealt with this many, 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 many times because people are human and not everybody's operating at the highest level of spiritual maturity. So you might have days when you come into practice or a service, or whatever, and you've got a couple members of your team that have gone through it that week. And they, you know, maybe they come in ticked off. Maybe they come in, uh, you know, with, um, you know, just issues. Maybe they come in sad or overwhelmed or whatever. And you've got to bring everybody into unity before you can minister uh, on behalf of the Lord. And so you have to understand what it is. How can I best minister to these people before we move forward? And see, it's seek to understand first and then to be understood. And that's, you know, that's, that's what empathy is. It's the ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and not gloss over you know, what it is that they're dealing with so that you can minister to them. I'm not saying you have to go through everything that someone's gone through in order to be able to minister to them. That's not the truth. But one thing love does is love cares for those that are going through issues. How many times did you read in the New Testament where the reason Jesus healed people was because he had compassion, the Bible says? How many scriptures did you read references that said, and being moved by compassion, he healed them all? You know why? Because the love Jesus had for people, it had nothing to do with anything but the fact that he did not want to see them hurting any longer. And being moved by compassion, he healed them all. Now, Jesus did not have to go through those same sicknesses, 
before he could heal those people. He didn't have to deal with the same hurts others dealt with before he could minister to them. But his love brought him a compassion and an empathy that allowed him to minister to people quickly. And see, that's, and and let me just tell you this as leaders, people can tell when you truly care about what they're dealing with and going through versus when you're trying to just gloss over it and get it out of them so you can get started with practice or get started doing the next thing. People can tell from a mile away if you are truly in a place where you care about what they're dealing with and care about them as a person. Uh, and that's, and let me just say over the, over the 20 years that I've been doing this, that's one of the things I think people can tell more readily than anything else is when someone's being fake or when somebody's being real, you cannot fake caring about people. You actually have to care about people, have to love them. And so number one, the first key to, to bringing unity to your teams is to be able to have a fellowship or a community that will build that love one for another. Let's move on to number two. The second thing you definitely have got to do, the Bible says not just uh, the breaking of bread and fellowship, but number two, prayer. They continued on in prayer. There's a certain level of spiritual unity and power that you cannot attain until you begin to pray together, pray one one for another and pray with one another. You know, the Bible teaches us that one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. And so you start to realize that as you grow in numbers, your unity gives you multiplied strength, not, not a, you know, what we would call additive or additional strength. Notice how God multiplies your strength. You know, because if we were just adding, it would seem like this would be the proper equation. One puts a thousand to flight, two puts two thousand to flight. No, God said there's a multiplied strength that comes when you join together in unity. So one puts a thousand, but two puts ten thousand, which means three could put a hundred thousand and four a million. So you see, it's expedited, it's multiplied as you join in unity. And if you're not doing this already, you know. I would encourage you that you would begin even your practices praying, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying as a team, you know, having everybody pray in the spirit and stir up their most holy faith. And then before every service, you should be getting together, team, band, choir, singers, tech teams if possible, lighting teams if possible. Get to a place, if it's the green room, wherever it might be, get to a place and begin to pray. Pray at least, even if it's for 10 to 15 minutes before the service begins, get in there and press in and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost and stir up your faith. One of the things that takes place is that when you're praying like that, we know prayer in the spirit, according to Jude verse 20, it allows you to build yourself up on your most holy faith. So what does it do? It ensures everyone on the team is at the same moment building up their most holy faith. What else does praying in the Holy Spirit do? According to 1 Corinthians 14, you read verses 2 through 4, you'll find Paul taught that when a person prays in tongues, he is encouraging himself in the Lord. So not only are you building up your faith, getting it ready for action, but at the same time, everybody together is encouraging their own spirit 
in the Lord, which means if anybody came in depressed, depression has to go. If they came in anxious, if they came in sad, if they came in, um, you know, panicked, whatever it might be, all those things have to go, came in angry. When you pray in the spirit, you're encouraging yourself in the Lord. And so as everybody comes together in unified prayer, notice the Holy Ghost does not move until people get into unity. Look at the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter two, when they were all in one place and in one accord, that means they were in unity. Then there came a sound from heaven, like a rushing mighty wind, but it didn't come until they were all in one place in one accord. Notice this, Acts chapter four, two chapters later, after they begun to be persecuted for working the works of Christ, notice what they did. All the believers returned to a house together, same type of thing. They got together in unity and they all began to pray and lift up their voice with one accord. And the Bible says in Acts 4.31, after they had prayed, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and preached the word of God with boldness. Notice it was their unity once again that moved the, the hand of God on their behalf and caused them to receive a new and fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. So I submit to you today as a leader, even if you're not the leader of your team, you're just a part of a team. This will this will take you to the next level with your teams is unified prayer. You know, I cannot stress to you how important prayer is with your teams. It doesn't matter what you're doing, platform ministry or not. If you're a greeter, if you're an usher, parking lot attendant, I can't stress it to you enough. Because no matter what part of the ministry that you're working in, the Holy Ghost can use you to touch somebody supernaturally as you're stirred up for ministry. And prayer is so vital. It brings you into supernatural unity. And so number two is that you've got to take time to be together in prayer. So not just fellowship and breaking of bread, but number two, in prayer, every time you come together. You know, it's hard to be mad at somebody. It's hard to gossip about somebody. It's hard to uh, chew somebody out that you spend time praying for. I mean, like, you just try it and see. You know, if there's somebody that you have a really hard time with, I encourage you. When, when you're in your private prayer time before you're around them again, spend 30 full minutes praying for their life. Try that. Write down prayer points of everything you can think about their life, their family members, their job, their well-being, physically, mentally, everything. And you spend 30 minutes a day praying for that person. And then you see when you get back around them, it's not easy when you've spent in your week, you know, what would that be like three and a half hours? If you went spent three and a half hours of your week praying for that person and, and pressing in in prayer that God would bless them. To, get, to then get around them and chew them out or talk behind their back. It changes your heart about people when you pray for them. So I'm encouraging you that as you spend time with your teams praying, getting into the presence of God, guess what's going to happen? It's going to bring you closer. It's going to bring you all into unity. And the power of God's going to use you even to a greater level or a greater degree. Finally, let me go to number three with you. And that is this. The Bible says that not only did they continue on in the fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers, the Bible says, and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things 
in common. Now, it actually goes on here to talk about the fact that they were generous within the community of believers, meaning there were no needs financially because of the fact that if anyone was in need, people would sell properties and lands and they'd take the money, put it at the apostles' feet, and it would be distributed freely among the believers, and there was no need among the among the believers. But when it says they had all things in common, I want to even take that from another direction or dimension because this was also true. I want to talk about a common vision or a common goal that you all have together because that is so, so vital to having unity um, among your team. So, so vital. The, The Bible declares this, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish or die. One translation says, where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. It means they become undisciplined and they become chaotic. And I've seen that among many teams, undisciplined and chaotic. Why? There's no clear vision for your team. And if that's the case, then everybody just immediately moves to serving their self-interest because there's no vision to serve. When there's a vision to serve and a vision that's enforced by strong leaders, everybody knows the goal that they're working toward, and everybody can more clearly play their role without becoming self-serving because they know what they're working toward. But if there is no vision, notice this, if there's not a provided vision, each individual will create a replacement vision. This is so huge if you've never had this thought process before. If there's no provided vision, each individual will create a replacement vision. Why? Because we are individuals who require vision to function. So understand this, no matter what's happening, somebody's always operating off of a vision of some sort. Now watch, if you've never seen this, this will blow your mind. You say, well, not everybody's operating off of vision. Yes, they are. It's just not theirs. So what about people that are just zombified walking through life and they're just going through this world that we're being sold to on a daily basis? So what do people do? Why are they, why are people in debt? Because they're operating on somebody else's vision. You go and people can't stop spending. Why? Because they see this sale here and they get this pop up on their phone here and buy this. They see this on Instagram and this concert's coming down. So what's happening? They are accepting the vision of other people. They're, they're accepting, you know, Samsung's vision and Nike's vision and Adidas vision. You know, they're looking at all the companies that have a vision for your money, but they don't have their own vision for their money. So as a result, their money conforms to the vision of the other companies and not their own plans. And so everybody's operating on a vision. It's just not always theirs. So the same thing happens on teams is that if you don't have a provided vision from the leadership, every individual person will create a replacement vision. And it's almost always self-serving, meaning they will find a way to be head and shoulders above the rest and try to become the superstar of the group and to shine and to get the attention and to get, because that's just, that's human nature. There'll just be, there'll be people that they'll revert to 
building up drama. Well, I don't think I don't like the way she looked at me at practice and she's trying to take my spot. I've always been the lead soprano and she that's exactly what happens. Unless there's provided vision, people will create replacement vision. Which is so that's why it's so important for us to have all things in common, meaning a common vision. It's in, it's so important if you're the leader of your team. Let me just say this, under your pastor's vision, and I've taught about this on the podcast before, but obviously the pastor of the church is the leader of the church. So whatever vision God has given him for the church is the final say. So you've heard me teach before that like, you know, you're out of line as a worship leader. For example, if if God has given your pastor, um, you know, his main calling and vision is to preach the message of prosperity and finances. You know, your worship songs should line up. You should be finding songs about the blessing of the Lord and the favor of the Lord and prosperity. You know, you should be finding songs that supplement the message he's going to preach and that lift up the vision God's given him. If your pastor preaches a lot on repentance and salvation and that's his main message, you should find songs of consecration, you know, and begin to sing those to supplement what God has given him as a vision. Um, and so what, what you're doing is you're conforming to the vision of your house. And the same is true further down the line. So let me give you just an example so you understand where I'm coming from before I pray for you. Um, if you've never heard me teach about the purpose of praise and worship, I'll give you just a little run through as to show you this as a example. So we know that one of the main things praise and worship does is it puts people in position to receive the word of God. You know, when in Mark chapter four, Jesus taught the parable of the sower, that the, the seed of the word fell on four types of ground. And I've shown you how that thorny ground is representative of people who the cares of this world keep them from producing fruit with the word they receive. The Bible says they're like thorns. The cares of this world are like thorns that grow up and choke out the word, right? So it's a spirit of heaviness that comes upon God's people from what? The cares of this world, the report of the world, if you will. So how do we deal with thorny ground that will choke out the word of God. Well, God's given us a prescription to remove a spirit of heaviness. In Isaiah 61, the Bible says that he's given us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So that means that when we begin to praise and worship God, a spirit of heaviness has to leave us, meaning it takes us from being thorny ground and produces good ground. So we don't just do praise and worship to take up time so the pastor can put his last minute finishing touches on his message before he comes out. That's not what it's for. It's not so people can get more time to get into church before the real service starts. No, it is a process that removes a spirit of heaviness, brings the body into unity and produces a place where God can move and function with his children and produce a change among those people. And so we see that worship has a function so that when you truly understand that and you know what you're pressing toward, then when you're trying to direct your teams and when you're trying to um, establish what's going to happen at your worship services, it's clear what you're trying to do. Because if you don't understand what you're trying to do, as I heard Bishop Boyadepo say one time, if you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like it. 
If you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like your destination. You've got to know where you're headed. Know what the purpose of your team is. If you're working in the parking lot, parking parking cars, if you're working as an usher or a greeter, if you're working as a lighting tech, a sound tech, musician, singer, whatever it is, know the purpose of your team. And when you know the purpose of it, having all things in common, the vision is in common. I've got no part I've got no problem playing my part or playing my role because I understand how it helps the overall vision or function of our team. And so if there's dysfunction in the teams, it means that we don't clearly understand why we're doing what we're doing. So number one that helps us is to be in fellowship one with another. It helps us to build relationship and community so that we have a friendship, a love for one another. But number two, we pray together, which is which allows us all to be on the same spiritual level as we do what God's called us to do. It allows us to build up our most holy faith, and it also allows us to encourage our own personal spirits so that when we step out on the platform or wherever we're going to minister, that we are in a place ready to go for God. And finally, that common vision, having all things in common, we have a common purpose, goal, and vision. In fact, if you want to get really technical, the Bible says in the book of Habakkuk, to write the vision and make it plain upon tablets that they may run who read it. So if your vision is not plain enough that it could be written down in a sentence or two, it's not well enough defined yet. I actually heard a businessman say once, he said, if you have an idea for a business or if you have a vision statement for your business, if it cannot be written on the back of somebody's business card, it is not well enough established yet. And you need to refine and hone what you have for your purpose or your vision. I, I say the same thing to every team is that if you, if, if you could go throughout your team members and if you could say, Hey, what's our vision as a worship team? If you can't get everybody to give you that answer, then you've not drilled that vision into your team well enough yet so that they know what your purpose and what your goal is. So finally, I want to encourage you with that today is if you are the leader, if you are at the top of that department, then you need to develop under your pastor's vision and anointing, you need to develop your function to the place where within one or two sentences, you could define exactly what your purpose and goal for every service is, and then have that embedded upon the hearts of the people that work with you in your teams so that there is unity that will bring strength. I'm telling you, when you develop these three things within your teams, watch and see as your unity and your strength goes through the roof. And you'll see it also in the manifestation of God's power. Because when people come together in unity, it is good and pleasant, the Bible says. How good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. And so you understand that when God uh, manifests his presence, he manifests it in a place of unity. And you're going you're gonna to see that on another level, I believe, as you employ these three things with your teams. Let me pray for you as you're leading, or maybe you're a part of a team. Father, in Jesus' name, 
I pray that now you would touch every person listening to this podcast today, give them a desire to press in and to be in unity with their teams and to lead from vision and to understand what you've called them to do. We thank you, Lord, that as we do, that in this new year, our teams are going to another level and that our ministries will be more effective than they've ever been before. We thank you for it, Lord. We give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Listen, specifically for these Worship Wednesday podcasts, if you guys have any suggestions or things you'd like to hear uh, me teach about worship, praise, practical or spiritual, either way, send me a message and let me know. You can send me a DM on Instagram at Ted Shuttlesworth. You can send me a, a message on Twitter at T Shuttlesworth. You can do it on Facebook, Facebook Messenger, whatever you'd like to do. But I want to encourage you, if you have those thoughts and ideas, I'd love to hear them, love to address them. Don't forget, coming up, what what did I say? March 11th? March 11th. Look that up for me, Preston, on your on your phone calendar. should be the second Monday in March. March the 11th at 7 p.m. Yep, March 11th, 7 p.m., we're going to do a live podcast. So don't forget to download the Mixler app. Find me at Ted Shuttlesworth, and we'll see you there. I love you guys. Until next time, don't forget, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. Talk to you soon. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. 